Great to have some guests with us this morning. Uh, great to get into God's Word. If you've got your Bible or you have an app, we're just doing three verses this morning, Acts chapter 11. I already read them to you once. We'll read them again in a minute. I, I want to start by talking about um, these guys. Y'all, who knows who this is? Oh, I got some, that, well, I got some claps in the place. We didn't got to Jesus yet. Y'all cheering for the Bengals. Uh, I mean, y'all been watching a crazy season, right? This has been the end. It's been like, uh, uh, you know, nobody expected this. You know, I was watching all my friends who are Bengals fans on Facebook, you know, and it's like, man, they might make it to the playoffs. And it's like, man, they might win a game in the playoffs. Well, that would be the ultimate. Like, we're not going to have a Super Bowl party for the Bengals. We're going to have it during the playoffs party for the Bengals. Uh, and then they won, and then it's like, well, they might go to the AFC Championship. And then they go, and then they go to the AFC Championship. It's like, that's the party. It ends here more than likely. I mean, everybody's in the back of their head, maybe. Uh, but the Bengals did something that God does here in Acts chapter uh, 11. They went next level. They said, no, we're not just going to go to the AFC Championship. We are going to the Super Bowl. What in the world? Two seasons ago, they were 2-14 and 14 or whatever. That's two wins, 14 losses if you don't follow football. Last season, they were 4-11. and What they come into the playoffs? Like five and something? A Cinderella story if there was one. Here in Acts chapter 11, there's a team that was Owen Infinity. That's really bad. That means you've never lost. I mean, you've never won a game, and you've lost all games past... And present. And it was this, and God's getting ready to do something in Acts chapter 11 where he goes next level. He takes it to the next level. And if you've been following us, we know in the, 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 just the preceding verses, uh, God has taken uh, Peter to Cornelius, who was a Gentile. And we know that the Jews, they didn't associate with Gentiles. They didn't believe they could ever be right with God. They were, they were, very, uh, they were really prejudiced against them. They wouldn't even hang out with them. They weren't allowed to go to their houses. Uh, and yet Peter does this crazy thing when God shows him a vision. And he goes down and meets with Cornelius. But Cornelius, uh, he already was following the Jewish God. He had kind of got in like, well, I like the Jewish God. I'm following. He was praying. He was following their rituals. And, and he got saved. And even that was like when Peter got back up to the church at Jerusalem, they were like, Peter, what'd you do, man? You went to a Gentile's house. This ain't cool. And so he just shares the story in the beginning of chapter 11. And he shares the story of what happened and how he went down and Cornelius got saved. The Holy Spirit came in. The house got saved. His family got saved. And by the end of Peter sharing that story, they'd gone from criticizing Peter to praising God. Be like, whoa, this is awesome. God is saving the Gentiles. And then they're getting, he's getting ready to go next level starting here in chapter, or verse 19. Because it's not just going to a Gentile that has reached out and got God's attention by his prayer and his righteousness, his good deeds. They're going to Antioch. Antioch is the Vegas of the first century. Okay? They are going to Antioch, and they're going to go to Greeks. They're going to go to Gentiles, people who aren't Jews, who don't have a clue who Abraham is, who Moses is. They don't know. They, they, don't, they, they are not bought into the Jewish religion. They're going to go to them and start telling them about a man named Jesus. And it flips the whole world on its head. And I love it that it's in Antioch. Let me read you the verses again in case you missed them earlier, starting 
uh, in verse 19. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. That's most of the believers that have been scattered. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. That's the passage. That's what's happening. And we're in this series called Multiply, where we're looking through the early church, the book of Acts. It tells the story after Jesus' resurrection. How did it go from there to the church starting and what we have here today, still existing 2,000 years later? And how did it multiply from town to town and family to family and life to life? And we've walked through that over the last several uh, couple months, really. And this morning, we got this one thought that, that tells us a principle here in this passage. How does the church multiply? How did the church multiply then? Every believer going every day. Like it was that simple at this point. You're going to see that as we walk through these verses. It's the same is true today. How is the church going to multiply? How are we going to change a town? How are we going to change families? How will change a place? Uh, you, will, you will not change your world by going to church on Sunday. We will change the world by being the church Monday through Saturday. Each and every person. This is what happened here in this passage of Scripture. Uh, and, and let's just dive into it. You want to dive into it? This is the first church plant. And it's birthed by just some people. I want to I give you just this basic first principle of what it takes to go. That's what the title of the sermon is. What does it take to be on mission with God? Not on mission for me, but on mission with God. What does that take? Because these people, that's what they were. And so I want you to just look at this story. We're going to share three things of what it takes to go. What it takes to go on mission uh, with God. So in 19, it says, Meanwhile, the believers who had scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death. I want you to just take this thought. You can note it down. Uh, to go, you must be willing to leave. To go, you must be willing to leave. I cannot go to Whitesburg and stay in Pikeville. Is that a principle everybody agree with? I, and I, if I went to Pikeville today, I can't be in Lexington at the same time. You can't go to Lexington and stay in Pikeville. You can't follow Jesus and keep following yourself. You can't be heavenly minded and be worldly living through the week. You, if you're going to go, you've got to be willing to leave some things. This story here about this group of people, you know what's amazing? We're like, oh, that's cool. First church plant, they prayed, they got their budget together, they, they prayed, God, where do you want us to go? And then they did the market study of Antioch, and they said, that'd be a good place. Let's maybe get a group together and go down there. We'll make sure we got enough place to get a nice place to stay, and, you know, I'll get my things situated here at home, and I'll go. Not at all. <laughs> This is what happened in Acts chapter 8. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen uh, with great mourning. Stephen was the first martyr. He was a deacon. He was stoned to death for following Jesus. 
But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. So these believers, in order to go, they'd be willing to leave. Here's what happened. They were running for their life. It wasn't soft and cozy. You know, they didn't get a nice church bus and gather everybody up. They didn't go and have people that they were going to be planned out, a nice Airbnb, you know. They were running for their lives. I, I'm, I'm asking, what does it take to go? Sometimes it requires you got to be willing to leave. Like they left their home. They left everything they knew. They, they, they just, they went. Three things they left that I just want you to think about that probably apply to our hearts and lives today. One uh, is comfort. Comfort and complacency, they did not have that. That is not, that Jesus is not inviting you into a relationship of comfort and complacency. He's calling you out of, of, of what feels comfortable to you to follow him, which is sometimes a huge leap of faith. And they had to leave uh, comfort. And they could have got there, right? And, and what happened is all these believers, they went to just towns in the Roman Empire. They ended up places in towns and just maybe they had connections, but they were just going and that's where they ended up. And here in verse 19, we find that the believers, most of them, they go into these new towns and they find, they say, where are all the Jews? And they go over here to the Jewish neighborhood if there was one and all the Jews that were there already. They'd go to them and start telling them about Jesus. Because they thought Jesus was just for the Jews. They thought this was the next step of the Jewish religion. Now a prophet has come. Jesus the Messiah. I need to go tell all the Jews. Yeah, God is saying every person that breathes is invited into relationship with their maker. And they're about to learn this. And they're about to see it. And so a majority of them were just going to these towns and they were telling the Jews about Jesus. However, some of them went to Antioch and started telling Gentiles, the Greeks, about Jesus. So they left their comfort. Uh, they were in the midst of persecution, threats of prison, threats of death. Stephen had been stoned. That sounds like fun. Like church is real easy when it's just like, you know, some, some good worship music and the mics work and the, and, the, and the heat or air. We always start. This time of year, we start with heat in here. About halfway through the service, we turn the air conditioner on. It's a weird time of year, right? Keep you all on your toes. You're going from sweater to not sweater. But it's really easy when it's comfortable. What about when your life is on the line? Like these people were. Like, are we willing to go that far? Are we willing to leave the comfort and the safety of church as we know it to follow? Uh... The second thing they got to leave is the there's some tradition and prejudices. They had to walk away from some tradition of what they thought church was, of what who they thought God was, of what they had been trained their whole lives about about what being a good person meant. They had to walk away from those traditions, this idea that 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 Gentiles, that people who were not of the Jewish uh, uh, faith or the Jewish lineage that they could have access to God. They had to like they had to leave some of these traditions. I've left a lot of traditions in my life growing up in church of what I thought church was. 
of, of how I thought I was supposed to dress for church. Look at this. My shirt is untucked. Can Jesus work through an untucked shirt? I don't know. A little scared. I believe he can. That church was just about Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock, and I go and I do my thing, and you know, I check a box, and I iron my khakis and get the crease just right. And the only next thing that matters is where we're eating afterwards. That uh, church is about, um, you know, adjoining a group, a membership, and I've just joined this thing, and it's just like Rotary or, or Kiwanis or the, the next club, the beta club. It's just I'm going to join it. I'm going to be a part of it. And it's like today I'm a part of it. Today I'm not. Next week, maybe not. You know, uh, it, that, that I had to leave those traditions of what I thought church was. Actually, I actually had to leave the idea that church is even a building. I mean, we have just totally messed up in our culture and say, I'm going to church. And really, this is just the building where the church meets the church as the body of Christ, these people. We can go have church in the, uh, in, in, in the park. We can go have church uh, in the Broken Throne Brewery. We could go have church wherever people who are gathered together and follow Jesus and we worship and we learn about him, that is the church. They also, uh, as, as you read down into verse 21, to follow him, we see you've got to turn, you've got to leave some other things. It says, the power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. I believe in that word you see, uh, turn to the Lord, a thing called Repentance. In order to go, you've got to be willing to leave some things. And these people we find in Antioch, there's about a half a million people there in the first century. It's now, if you're wondering, where's Antioch now? It's in Turkey. If you ever go to Turkey, not like that Thanksgiving Turkey, the country Turkey. One author said, one might say that Jerusalem was all about religion, Rome was all about power, Alexandria was all about intellect, and Athens was all about philosophy. Adding to that, one might say that Antioch was all about business and immorality. In this town, there were temples to all these pagan gods. They served all these pagan gods. There were, there were temples to goddesses in which the entire religion was built around prostitution. Like, I, I'm saying, you think this world is bad today. You could not find anything worse than what was happening in first century Antioch. And what God says, you know how bad that is and how bad it looks. And, and, and that's just, it's the worst. It's, it's sin city. It's the worst in the Roman Empire, the known world. I think that's where I'll put my headquarters for my missions. My worldwide global church missions, that's where I'm going, right there. And I'm going to send, you know who I'm going to send? We don't even know. Just some people. Just some of the believers. Went down, they went every day, started sharing the gospel. But the people there, when they turned to the Lord, they left some things and they left pleasure, madness. They left sin. See, because to turn to the Lord, you got to turn away from something. 
Repentance is about not just professing that Jesus Christ, but actually choosing in your heart, changing your mind about who he is and about putting in your heart a willingness to turn away from sin. Because the wages of sin are death. And you know what else in life? God gave us all these commandments and directions and how to live righteous. And and I grew up thinking, man, that's a tough list. That's a mean list. It takes all the fun out of life. And as I've gotten older, I've realized that that list, actually, I see it all around us in our community. That list, when you break it, it brings chaos, disorder, hurt right now in your life. Like God's really saying, if you just not steal from everybody, your life will be a lot more peaceful. I mean, go start stealing and see how peaceful life is when the police show up and everybody hates you. I mean, just live a life full of adultery and, 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 and sexual immorality and just see how beautiful life turns out for you. And so he says, you've got to realize that the sin in your life, your brokenness, it, it separates you from God. And you've got to turn away from that and turn to him. It doesn't mean you're going to walk perfect after that and say, I'm never sinning again. You've got a heart to never sin again. But you can't do enough good to make God happy. Right? You've got to put your hope in Jesus Christ above. In his righteousness, when you put your faith in him, you, your sins get blotted out. You become white as snow. You get a, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and it, it, it gives you the power, the strength to grow closer and closer, more and more like Christ the rest of your life. So you've got to turn some things. You say, Jerry, where do you get that from? You mean, I can't get saved and just do whatever I want? That's the... Some people say, I, get, I, well, I, I got saved in 1993 on a whatever, and now I can do whatever I want. Well, Paul's in Ephesians, they ask him that. And Romans like, they're in Romans, they said, oh, so grace is this great, amazing thing. It forgives everything. So if it's great, then I'll just let sin increase. That way I can have more grace. And he said, that does not even make sense. Because the heart of a true believer, the heart of a true believer does not ask that question. Because your heart has been changed. A, a true believer is not saying, how much sin can I get away with? Still be going to heaven. That's not the heart of a true believer. In Acts 2.38, they asked Peter, what do we got to do? Like, you've told us the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. What do we do? He said, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 12.1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Here he says, not only turn from sin, but actually, you know the thing that actually trips you up the most? And you know the thing that leads to that thing, that leads to that thing. Like, you've got to put up some barriers and boundaries and take initiative and put sin out of your life as best, as best you can. You've got some ownership in this to seek out righteousness. But then he says, you get that stuff put to the side and just run this race, man. Run this race with Jesus by your side. Turning to the Lord requires turning away. From sin. So to, to go every day, 
on mission with God, be ready to leave some comfort, be uh, ready to leave some tradition and prejudices. Even Peter's had his whole heart changed here. You remember his sermon to Cornelius, he started by saying, I've been wrong my entire life. You got to be willing to say, I don't know everything about God. No matter how mature you are in your faith, like, I want to learn more. I want to be closer to him. And then you got to be ready to walk away from pleasure, sin, and turn to the Lord. Second thing we see here is to go. Your name doesn't even matter. Doesn't matter. These some believers we see in verse 20. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Simon began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. If you break that down into the Greek, hey, these were just some of the believers. We, they hadn't been to seminary. You know, they weren't a pastor. They probably wasn't even making coffee at church on Sunday. Some of the believers. They didn't go to make a name for themselves. They didn't plot out some great strategy and, and seek out, God, where do you want me to go, like physically? That, I mean, they just kind of ended up there. What I want to tell you is where you ever you have ended up today is where God has called you to go. This is not a big, like, I need lots of counseling from the pastor to figure out where I need to go in life, what God's called me to. He's called you to go on mission every day, right where you are. And if you think, well, I might go to the wrong college. I mean, if you end up at the wrong college, I promise, if you go read uh, the, the Great Commission, it'll say, therefore, go, and you just go at the college you're at, and you tell them about Jesus. You live life in that place, in those surroundings, in those circumstances. But some, at least some believers, their name didn't matter. Did not, you know, they're not unlike most Christians who'll never be famous. You know, you will not, uh, 20 years from now, get out this great book of church history and turn to chapter Jared Arnett. Most of us, our names will never, um, they will not matter 100 years from now. These people, their names did not matter. We don't even know who it was that went to Antioch. Let me tell you what mattered. Their actions matter. We'll never forget that some of them went to Antioch and started telling people about Jesus. It wasn't their motivation. If you read Philippians 2, 3, Paul wrote to that church, says, don't do anything out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Don't do it for your name. These people were not going for their name. And you know what's beautiful? It wasn't even like they went there, because when you read that in the Greek, it's not like, and they got them a space, and they rented it every Sunday, and they invited people, and then they came, and then they got their mics to work, and then they shared about Jesus. No, they were preaching. They were teaching the message of Jesus every single day where they went. They did it at double quick. Yeah, there's a double quick in first century. I'm kidding. There probably wasn't. There wasn't, okay. But if they were at the grocery store, there was probably a market. There was something. If they were walking back and forth on the street, 
if they met somebody at the bank or wherever they went, like their life embodied mission. They went on mission every day. Like they didn't understand a life outside of that. That life was separate from following Christ. Like I, I'm going to compartmentalize it. No, like if you were, maybe they had a profession. Maybe they were a blacksmith. And maybe they just shared the gospel with everybody that came in their place of business. I don't know. Like they just saw wherever they were, they were living out their life of faith. And their name didn't matter. They weren't in it to make a name for themselves. It didn't take the most educated, connected, credentialed. It didn't matter. They were just faithful to go. The last thing we see is that uh, in, in order to go, you go in his power, in his strength. Uh, when you're called to, and maybe you're going to a place and you say, I just can't do that. I can't be what God's calling me to be. And it's not your place to have the power and the strength to do it yourself. Because it said very clearly, the power of the Lord was with them. And a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. See, in his strength, they overcame persecution. They overcome discouragement. They, they, over, they overcame uh, financial, material hardship. I mean, you know, they didn't show up with their life savings and their, you know, emptied out their 401K and went down. Now I'm good for a while. They just went. They overcame financial hardship. They overcame even sinful temptation because they walked into a city that was full of opportunities to turn away from God. But they were obedient. They didn't plan. They didn't prepare. They went in the power of the Lord. I want to end with just this thought, this, uh, this idea that uh, it really takes what I said earlier, this great debate out of, What's God calling me to do or be or go? Or I can only thing I can tell you for sure is He's not calling you into sin. <laughs> All right, so you balance where God's calling you, what you feel like you'd like to do, and, and you check your motivation. Are you doing it for the wrong reasons? Are you doing it for money? Are you doing it for power? You check those motivations, and I'm telling you, anywhere you go within that context, God's got a mission field for you to be a teacher. Be a contractor, construction, whatever it is. God has got a people in your place. How do we multiply? Every one of y'all, when y'all stop at Double Quick or KFC or Texas Roadhouse, where are you going after this? Like, when you go out that door, we're changing it to exit to, to say, welcome to the mission field. What's it take to multiply? Be in the church, going every day. Every believer going every day in every circumstance with everybody you come in interaction with, sharing and living the faith life. Um, the opposite of going on mission with God is going on mission for yourself. And it leads to emptiness. You'll feel that. Eventually, you'll feel times in your life that you've lost God's call and you've focused on yourself and what your goals are and where you want to do and what you want to be, and it'll just feel like you're running on a treadmill. I don't like running, really at all, much less a treadmill. Oh, my gosh. question is, are you walking by faith or by sight? There's my buddy, uh, Connor, 
he shared this, uh, this kind of illustration. Was that, you know, when you were a kid and you'd say, you're a teenager, you'd say, Mom, Dad, I just, I, I got to go here with my friends on Friday night. And, 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 and they'd say, well, you're not going there. And, and, the, and you respond and you say, but everybody's going. Anybody said that or heard that as a parent, being a child? You said, but everybody's doing, everybody's going to go do that. And then the response is always what? Oh, that, I don't have a clue what y'all said. I'm not, uh, I'm not their parents. That's the one that's kind of, what about the old one that said, if everybody was jumping off a bridge... Have you heard that? If everybody jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? In the water. Here, and so here's what he said. Here's what he said. The life of following Christ is kind of like that. But he said, what if everybody was staying on the bridge? What if everybody was staying where it was comfortable, where it was safe? Would you jump? If God called you to jump, would you go? Because sometimes bridge might be like this tall. <laughs> might be a little bridge over a little creek. <laughs> God might already have it prepared for when you jump. That he's got everything worked out and planned. And, and, and for some reason, God, God wired me to be a jumper. Like I've been jumping off bridges for 20 years. Just and He gave me this faith and it's part of a gift. And I don't have a lot of gifts, but that one I've got. Like I just believe if he calls us to go and we go, he provides. And, like, and my wife believes it as much as I do. And we are dangerous. Like, you know, we've done a lot of uncomfortable things. Like when we were, you know, first married and she got this job, she was a teacher and she taught for four years. And many of you teachers that know you teach four years, that's a big year. Why is that a big year? You're waiting for that letter. I'm pretty excited. She's teaching. She's getting ready to get that letter. She'll teach the rest of her life. I come home one day and she said, I feel God calling me to come home and be with our kids. I was like, hmm. Tell him call me. <laughs> I, I didn't really say that. You know what I said? Let's go. Trusted her that much. Believe in her that much. God took care of us. It's, it's now 12, 15, I don't know how many years later, over 10. Now she comes to me and she's saying, I feel God calling me into something. Not this still. And I'm like, let's go. Let's figure this out. We're going to figure it out. I trust you. We're going to go. But we, we've been just bridge. We've been jumping off bridges. The people in this church that came here, because you know what happened six and a half years ago? Some of the believers went to the choir room, the band room at U-Pike. Just some of them. You probably never know their names. You know what? A couple weeks ago, some of the believers went to Tudor's. You probably don't remember their names right here. That man will probably never remember their name or what church they were affiliated with. But they remember he went, they went and they, they were obedient and they were studying God's word. And his life will never be the same. This morning we talked about Michael's rooted church in Weisberg. And, and, uh, and I said earlier, you know, some of the believers went to Weisberg and Michael's one of those. And, and this whole story is just a story after story of how God worked through people and circumstances that Michael's even there. 
Michael's even doing what he's doing. He was saved in prison uh, up here at, I don't know, what's that place over on the back side of the county, the old school where they've got the West Care Department of Corrections? Somebody's going to know. Sycamore. Sycamore. Yeah, out that way. He's just in prison, right? Gets saved. God calls him in just a mighty way. He spent five years since he's been out. Uh, He's now married. He's got his kids back. Like it's a story of restoration. Not that it doesn't happen in every situation, but it's possible in every situation. But I I went over Thursday and was just, uh, I wanted to walk through his space with him and just be with him, pray with him, meet the people that's hosting him at Cane Kitchen. And um, and, uh, he said, look at this. He walked me over, and you saw the picture earlier with all the people in there this morning. He took me over and showed me this. He went, they, they made this stage for me. The people that worked at Kane Kitchen, you know, really easy just kind of be renting a place, and them see Michael and this rooted church as, you know, another tenant, another client. They're going to rent it on Sunday mornings. I have no idea who made it. Some of the believers... I worked at Kane Kitchen. I said, we're not just saying, we're, we want a partner. They're making him coffee, donuts. Through every Sunday, they're going to make stuff for him for free. One Sunday a month, they're going to do a full-on breakfast or, or lunch afterwards. And you all say, I'm going there next Sunday. <laughs> Amen, go. We'll cheer you on. You live in the Whitesburg area, you know people in the Whitesburg area, you tell them to get in on this and they'll see what God can do. God put it on, my, on our heart. We were talking because the director of the King Kitchen was like, hey, you know, we're just trying to make it to March. Our, our next grant starts up then. I was checking the other day, seeing if we got pow- enough to get payroll to pay our four employees to get to there. And they're a nonprofit ran by the health clinic there. And I, I went over to Michael, I said, I just think, we had an outreach fund already set up for Michael's church. It had $2,500 in it. I said, I just think we should give him that. And so we walked back over to him and his wife, his little girl, sitting. I said, the Root Church just like to bless you and give you all $2,500. We're going to still pay the rent for this month, but we want to give you that gift. And he almost broke down. I said, this is Jesus real and relevant. Like it, Jesus just showed up in that place, paid their payroll for February. But when I saw they built this, some of the believers built this, you know what, it, it, it spoke to me. It said, you know what, they, they're not just a tenant. They wanted the people to be able to hear what Michael had to say. Somebody heard that today. Now, we don't know who made that stage with the scrap four-by-fours out back. But their actions change the world God's calling you to be that not make a name for yourself just to go he just wants to use you and your story even your broken story he wants to reach a lost world God I'm thankful for who you are I'm thankful that you call the most unsuspecting, uh, the, 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 you can take the most ordinary 
person and use them and do the most extraordinary things. God, I'm thankful that you can take the most broken and the most messy situation and weave it into some masterpiece through your promises. Romans chapter 8, it says you can use all things that you're doing, that you use all things that work together for the good of those that are called by you and, 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 and love you. God, I'm just, I'm praying today that each and every person in this room could see the opportunity to go every day, to go on mission with you in our place, to go up every holler, to go to every, uh, every school, to go to every double quick, to every grocery store. God, we just pray that, that this community would see Jesus, experience him in a real and relevant way through your body. That's the church. Not just this church, New Beginnings, but believers all across this town, that we would just be reignited in a fire and a love for you and a faith for you to step out and go. God, we know what it takes to go. It takes us being willing to leave. We've got to walk away from, from some things. God, no, there's never been a call that didn't require sacrifice, and today we want to be willing to lay those things down, lay the comfort down, lay the traditions down, lay our prejudices down. We want to lay our sin down, the brokenness, our addictions, whatever that is, the mistakes we've made. We want to lay them down and say, we've messed up. We trust in you. God, we want to lay, and we want to go, and we don't care what our name is, and God, we want to go in your power, not ours. God, we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.